It's the last couple of classes we've gone longer in meditation than what we have. Have you noticed that? A little bit longer today. I think part of that is giving us an opportunity here to stretch ourselves. I know not all of us do the 10% of the day or two and a half hours of meditation. So if anything here, as we do the classes, it gives us the opportunity to practice, of course. And it can take time to build up, or if we're just used to, say, even a 20 or 30-minute meditation, which is often what we've done in the classes before we move into sharing and all. But today, gosh, I think we're about 35 minutes in silent time, and then whatever, and guiding into it. So probably 45 minutes probably total with everything. So it's just stretching, expanding our boundaries, so to speak. And that's what it is. In life, we create a lot of boundaries. We create them. Yes, we learn in this world boundaries, restrictions, limitations, and that's what they are. We often don't look at boundaries as limitations or restrictions. We look at them as guideposts, things that can support us in how to live life in this world. And that's true to an extent, but that's for this world. When it comes to spirit, it's a different story. We have to let go of the boundaries. We've got to let go of the restrictions and the limitations because those very things we've learned to live into in this world to keep us on a straight and narrow, so to speak, right? So we don't kind of go off to the left side in the world and get caught up in things and, you know, down the dark way, do the things we're not supposed to do, get in trouble with the law, get punished, get in whatever like I did when I was growing up and whoever else, right? But that's in this world. There's the good, the bad, the right and the wrong. So in this world, we have limitations or boundaries or restrictions to help support us so that we don't necessarily go down the dark way. But yet, that's part of life here. That's part of the soul's experience. Otherwise, why would we even have laws like that? Why does it matter if we go and do these things we're not supposed to do. What's so bad about it? What's so bad about it? Well, somebody gets hurt, right? We get hurt, somebody else gets hurt, bad things happen, whatever bad things are. Who made them bad, though? Who placed those judgments? Made these things bad or wrong? I mean, isn't this the tree of good and evil? Didn't we... Take a bite of that apple to experience good and evil. So why are we denying ourselves and only eating half of the apple, making the other half of the apple bad? Well, guess what? We're going to be held to the law here. And remember, in this world is the law of karma, law of reincarnation. And it's always an action of balancing the rights and the wrongs balancing the positive and the negative. The more extreme we go to the right or the positive, guess what? The pendulum has, has to swing just as far to the left to the negative to balance it out. So if you find yourself becoming really righteous, at some point you're going to find yourself beyond your control. You will not be able to control it. Because the law of the land holds you accordingly and will bring you into to balance this out. I like to call it wrongness. So we got righteous and wrongness. So you're going to go to the right and to the left. 
Because that's the way the law of the land works. It holds us accountable, whether we like it or not. You know, some of the things we talk about personal responsibility, well, accountability is part of personal responsibility. The thing is, whether you choose to be responsible or accountable or not, the law of the land is going to hold you accountable. And there's the warden or the gatekeeper or the headmaster of the whole school called this planet, the solar system, this universe, this creation, our friend Lucifer. He's not really a bad guy unless you cross his path in the wrong way. What's he really do, though? He holds us accountable. Yeah, maybe he set up the laws, but guess what? When we took a bite of that apple, we agreed to the laws of the land to be held accountable so that we could have the experience of this part of God's creation. And how do we learn? By having experience. So we've got to come into the experience fully. And this experience is the tree of knowledge. But what is knowledge of learning the good and the evil or the right and the wrongs? And so just remember, as you walk through this journey of life, you're going to be held accountable and even when you don't want to be, even when you struggle so hard to change what's going on in your life and you seem to have no control, just understand there's a greater action going on that is actually now assisting you to come back to balance. And that's that accountability action that is going to bring us back to balance. But in this world, it's often a harsh one. We find great suffering and pain and all of that. And that's often the other side of it, right? Isn't there the threat of the pain, the punishment that is used in this world to keep us on the straight and narrow, on the righteous way? I don't want to say straight and narrow because really the straight and narrow is the action of the Holy Spirit. In this world, it's not the straight and narrow, it's really righteousness. And that's not a bad thing because... Guess what? When we've been over here long enough, then we're going to need to enter onto the path of righteousness to now balance it over here too on the positive side. But you've got to pay attention because if you've been working so hard to do everything just right and you've got so much fear and judgment about doing it just right and perfectly, well, what's motivating you to do that? Well, I kind of just said it. Your fear and your judgments. The fear and the judgments now are the motivator to do the right. Don't most of us look at fear and judgment as maybe a negative, something wrong? We don't want to do out things out of fear. We don't want to do things out of judgment, be not judgmental. But yet, a lot of the actions of trying to be right and do things perfectly in this world to be good often come out of and are motivated by the fear and judgment. So, if you understand that, if that's the energy behind the choices we make things to do things right, what do you think the energy is then as we do the right things? What do you think the energy is that's going to be imposed into the things we're doing right? 
Well, how many times have you experienced not only yourself or other people around you doing the right thing and all you feel is all this negativity and judgment and fear and you can't stand being around it, but yet they're doing the right thing or you're doing the right thing? That's why we've got to pay attention at a deeper level to go inside and to look at the motivation of our actions Where is that coming from? Is it coming out of fear? Is it coming out of judgment? Well, that's part of the learning. The outer action can look exactly the same, but it can be coming from a very different place inside of us, in each of us. And that's how we know the difference. And we've got to pay attention to that. Because that's really more what we're held accountable to, not just the physical action, but the energy behind it. And that accountability is not about reward and punishment like we often think in this world, but that accountability is really to hold us to have the understanding of polarity of good and evil, of right and wrong. It's all about the learning. And how do we learn? Through experience. That whole phrase of resist, not evil, is so that we don't resist or avoid, but we allow ourselves to be open and vulnerable to have the full experience of the good and the bad here. This sounds scary in a lot of ways, and I know when we talk about this, why we do Q&A, because there's a lot of misunderstandings of these spiritual principles. But also, in even hearing some of these things, it can often stir a lot of fear inside of us. Not only that, judgment, because then we think we're doing it wrong. Well, Jim and Brian said, or some other spiritual teacher said, so I must be doing it wrong. Well, you're doing a good job of judging yourself, so in the judgment, you're going to have experience of what that is. So you're going to learn what judgment is. Until the day you fulfill that, you go, oh, all the judgment. Here's what it creates. Here's all the disturbance it creates. Here's all that goes on with judgment. All right, I understand it now. Well, let me try fear now for a while. Let me go live out some fear so I understand what fear is about. And so then we live a life based on fear until one day we wake up, realize, oh, my God, I've been doing everything out of fear. All right, good job. I fulfilled the lesson of fear now. Now what's next? But do we look at it that way? Do we look at it that way? Or do we look at it, oh my God, I can't believe I've been living a life of fear or judgment. What a horrible person am I? Now I've got to correct my wrongs. I've got to make good now. I've got to repent. And so then we spend the next lifetime or many or hopefully just maybe a few years, working on self-forgiveness. But then we get all restrictive again, thinking now this is the right way, and what we did before was the wrong way. So we judge our past once again. Oh, I thought I did that already. I thought I got over the lesson of judgment. Why am I doing this again? 
Well, sometimes we need the reminders, right? And a lot of times because there's always other levels of learning the lessons. Remember, we've got a physical realm here, an imaginational realm, an emotional realm, a mental realm, an unconscious realm, and then the spiritual realms. So we've got a lot of layers and levels that we've got to move through to learn. We can have one karmic pattern that goes through all these different levels, and so we learn on each of those levels. Don't ever think anything's done until you really know it is because there's been the divine awakening. And in truth, that's not going to happen until you really are awake in spirit, in the spiritual realms. And when you are, you'll know. But until that day happens, don't think anything's done. Just keep handling what's right here in front of you. And pay attention to that. Those restrictions, are they supporting you or working against you? Well, in the beginning, it often works for us. We think we're setting boundaries to support ourselves. Again, to move down that road of righteousness that we can really uplift ourselves with, so that we can support ourselves with. And that's a good thing. But like every good thing, it eventually gets too extreme, right? Everything in moderation. So there we are going to straight and narrow, and then we think, okay, let's do more of a good thing, and then before we know it, we're now off to the right. And like I was just talking about, we're going to have to now swing to the left to balance that out. But in that swinging of the pendulum, from left to right, right to left, Every time it moves and we cross that center, that center that really is the middle way, the way of moderation, the straight and the narrow, every time we cross that, it stirs something inside of us. And that stirring, each time we cross that path, something inside of us wakes a little more. Those are what we might call the enlightenments or the epiphanies in life. And it inspires us for a period. And then as we go on in life, living that inspiration may last a few weeks, a few months, maybe even a few years, seeking out the next inspiration or epiphany then after a while, we wonder what's going on. What happened? How come there's not the energy there? Where's the inspiration that I started with? Why is this not what I thought it was all meant to be? What is the purpose of life again? I was so inspired at one time and I was doing it. And then somehow it, the bottom fell out or something. I don't even know what happened. It just seemed to lose steam. I guess that's good old steam engines. And so then we find ourselves again searching, wondering, wandering, looking again, testing the waters, searching. And then once again, at some point, something stirs again, 
We think, okay, I've done some of this before. Maybe I just need to repeat what I did in the past. Let me get on this path of righteousness again. Let me get more disciplined. But this time around, the discipline turns into something else, maybe. When in the past, the discipline served us, but then over time, we seem to wane. Then we try to discipline ourselves again. I don't know about you, but I found as I've gotten older, trying to discipline myself doesn't seem to work like it used to. But maybe it's not supposed to. Maybe discipline really is about, like I was saying earlier, is laying boundaries and restrictions that we place upon ourselves, that we impose on ourselves, so that it helps us keep focused and moving down the pathway that we are wanting to achieve, to experience. And that, again, like I was saying, that's the good part of it. But the other part, or what you could call the negative part of discipline, or when we get so focused, if it becomes restrictive that we don't allow space, or if we don't allow or accept all these other things going on on the right and left sides of that straight and narrow, if we judge or fear these things, in other words, well, again, in this land, we're going to be held accountable. So if our discipline is done out of rigidity, based on fear and judgment, as I was saying earlier, it can serve us for a while to cut through things. But at some point, those things we cut through, literally by the grace of God, many things will drop away. But if there were some things along the way that we had a responsibility, or as I was saying, being held accountable to, to experience, to learn our lessons, but all we did was avoid it because we're going, nope, nope, can't do that, that's wrong, that's wrong. Don't allow myself, I'm focused, I'm disciplined. And we become rigid. Well, see, spirit is fluid. If you see the pathway in spirit, it's windy. It's not just straight and narrow, it's not rigid. It bends, it's fluid, it flows. So we've got to learn to live in that fluidity and flow of the divine. So if we become rigid in our consciousness, we'll get moments of that movement of spirit, but then as it moves and flows, we miss a lot because of our rigidity. So when we begin now the second round, or maybe more, again, we try to discipline ourselves. I don't care when I say getting older, it doesn't matter what age, as you know, doing this pathway. You can be very young, middle-aged, or old-aged, it doesn't matter. Because there are certain inherent qualities or experiences we're going to have as we walk this journey. So where that discipline and rigidity served us in the past, now it's going to be different. But at first, we're going to try to do it the old way. We're going to try to do it the old way. Pick up those old tools and patterns that we learned along the way that served us well in the past, and we're going to try that. And then as we do, we find, why is this not working like it did in the past? Where is the energy, the inspiration that it gave me in the past? How come in repeating these things from the past, it's not supporting and serving me like it did? What happened? 
Well, it's because you learned what you needed to with that rigid focus. But now it's different. You're still here. You didn't graduate. Well, you didn't graduate because there's more lessons to learn. So instead of looking at it like you did something wrong, how about looking at it like there's something new to learn? So with something new to learn, that means I'm going to need new tools. Because to learn these lessons, I have to learn it in a different way, a new way than what I had before. Well, guess what those tools are? Loving, accepting, and forgiving. Wait a minute, aren't those the old tools? Not necessarily. You know why? Because in the beginning, you applied those tools in a very different way. Out of ignorance, to put it in a nice way, thinking you knew what loving, accepting, and forgiving is or was. So you practice it a certain way. But in the unknowing of the fullness of what it really is, that's where the rigidity comes in. Not having the full understanding of really what does that LAF mean. Well, later on, as we go in life, as I'm kind of building to, I know I keep kind of jumping back and forth, but don't worry, it all comes together. Got to pick up everybody wherever they're at. So the new way, haven't some of you found that have been doing this for years? That as you've grown older, hopefully you've grown wiser. And in that greater wisdom, it's come out of the understanding of your experience. And that loving, accepting, and forgiveness has expanded in more ways. And your experience of that and working with that is different than what it used to be. Have you found yet, for those of you who've been doing this for a while, that you've expanded in your acceptance, have allowed more space inside of yourself for things that you did not in the past when you began? If you have, you know what I'm talking about. If you haven't, well, you're getting an idea of what's to come. Because truly unconditional loving has no boundaries. So in order to really wake up fully into the fullness of God's loving that is unconditional, those boundaries and rules and restrictions we create in the beginning, at some point we have to let go of. And now let the action of grace carry us. Not our own beliefs, because that's what the boundaries and rigidity is. It's our own beliefs. Not let those beliefs serve us, but rather let the grace of God now serve us. And in order for that to happen, we've got to let go of all those restrictions or boundaries that we utilized in the beginning. And that, I know, is scary for a lot of people. Because a lot of people think if they let go of that, their life's going to go to hell. Not knowing that those boundaries have actually been keeping you in hell. Or creating even more of one. Because if you think you have to try harder than what you've been 
and it's not working. That trying harder is because those belief systems have become so rigid and crystallized in the consciousness. And at some point, we've got to dissolve those crystals. We've got to let go of the rigidity. Let go of even the discipline, the ideas, the beliefs that we even began the spiritual journey with. Because if it's a belief, it's of the mind. A belief is restrictive. It's not a spiritual action. If we believe what loving and accepting and forgiving is, it's a belief. That's not the actual truth of loving, accepting, and forgiving. We've got to let go of our beliefs that have created the boundaries and restrictions around us and have entrapped us, the soul, in order to really now discover what the truth is. And that's the greatest part of the journey and probably, for most people, the most fearful thing is to let go of our beliefs that have created all these boundaries around us. But for you that are on a journey of soul liberation, just know that's something you're going to have to face and let go of at some point, and you want to. When you truly let go, is the day you're going to truly wake up and see the face of God and really experience what grace is in the truest sense. Not some little miracle in the beginning of your journey. You know, when we begin the first couple years, all the signposts God gives us so we know there is a God, that happens all the time. If we look, if we pay attention, we'll see those signposts. They're there for everybody most people just don't look. Because those signposts lead us in the direction of returning home. But at some point, we actually need to let go of everything, including the signposts. Because what do we need signposts for? To help us to believe. But at some point, once you believe and you know, you've got to let go of the belief and truly move into the knowing, which is the essence itself. Anything, anything that is not pure essence itself is a limitation and a restriction upon our consciousness. So at some point, we fully have to let go. Let go and let God. Let go of even all that you believe supported you, helped you get to where you are, all the good or the bad. To truly let go of it all and be willing and open and vulnerable to experience what's next. What really lies beyond the great abyss? What is beyond that abyss 
that which we call the void or the etheric realm is the abyss I'm referring to. What really lies beyond that? Well, that's the message that all spiritual teachers bring is what's beyond that. To wake up and truly know that kingdom of God, that fullness of loving where once again the soul is restored and in union. What it takes to cross that abyss is what I'm talking about now and what we always do here of what it takes. It's so funny because people are so challenged to let go because they're so afraid. Because when you look, all you see is the abyss and the darkness. So we get so afraid that all we're going to do is go into the darkness. So we're going to hang on to whatever we can hang on to, to have the sense of security and safety. Not even understanding that which we're hanging on to, even if it's just an idea or a belief system, is actually just an illusion that is a false security. But we don't know that until we're really willing to let go. It's only in truly letting go that we're going to discover what that is. If you are one who is always asking for the grace of God and praying, but yet you're not willing to let go is the reason why you don't experience it. If you really want to experience the grace of God and have your, an your prayers answered, you've got to be willing to let go of anything you're hanging on to, including that which you're praying for. You've got to be willing to let go of that in order for it to be answered, to be fulfilled. Freedom is the name of the game here. But you see, it is really up to ourselves. We are the only ones who can truly free ourselves or keep ourselves imprisoned. There's the freedom of choice. We truly have the freedom to choose what we want to live, what we want to experience. And I'm not saying what we want to live and experience physically. I'm talking about spiritually. But even that which we seem to be bound to here, physically, comes out of our own inner choices that binds the soul karmically to its creation. But when it's really time, and we begin to pray, we begin to ask God for God's grace, when we do it from a place of sincerity and authenticity is when then God begins to answer. The funny thing is God's always answering. It's just not until we move into alignment and can receive that answer. That's the key here. We have to, out of our choices, bring ourselves into alignment and open to receive that grace. That's the part most people don't understand. They think 
You just pray, and God is supposed to do it for you. That's why we talk so much about responsibility for your thoughts and feelings and actions and reactions. Well, you know the law of accountability I was speaking of? Well, the same thing's true here. If you start to really pray and ask for God's grace, well, it's waiting for you. But what are we doing here? This pathway of liberation, we are learning how to truly let go and to receive and make ourselves open, available, and vulnerable for God's grace. The truth of the matter is we cannot do this ourselves. Neither yourself nor Jim and I or any spiritual teacher can liberate your soul. Only God can do that. But what we can do here is learn what we can do to make ourselves available so God can do that. And that's what we're doing here. That's why it is the most humble pathway we can do, the most vulnerable, the most open, the most honest and true way. And that's all we're learning to do here is learning what that takes and what that is to live that truth, to live in a true way for God to liberate us through God's grace. So all of life experience, as we walk through life here, we're going to be seeing all of our own restrictions that have not allowed God's grace. In every physical experience, we're going to even see that. When you look in the world around you, do you go into judgment and fear and reaction? Or do you just go into gratitude and love everything around you? What you experience inside of you will let you know where you're coming from and, where you're, and how you're living. Don't look to the outer as your guide. Look inside of you as your guide or the signposts of whether you're living a spirit-based life of loving, accepting, and forgiving or a mental belief, a mental-based life based upon beliefs and fantasies and fears, wants and needs. Do you listen to every word we share here and really pay attention to that? If you take just what I just said now, It'll make your life a lot easier to see if you're living spirit-based or mental-based and emotionally-based and astrally, imaginatively-based and physically-based. There's simple indicators, but we've got to pay attention to that and we've got to be willing to do it. Well, why aren't we always willing to do it? We all want spirit, right? That's why you come to these classes. That's why you meditate. That's why you do all these different things. We really want spirit. But yet, why are we not really willing to do what it takes to truly, fully wake up and experience spirit? Well, that one you're going to have to answer for yourself. 
But if you can answer that, you're going to start to discover what your karmic lessons are. Because in order to answer that question, you're going to have to look at yourself to dig deep within to see what is that inside of you that is blocking you from truly being open and vulnerable to experience that grace of God. That's all it boils down to. You want the magic? You want the miracles? This is how it happens. It's funny, when we were doing the sound check before you all got in here, we were reading out of the Knowing of God book. I forgot how good those books are. And those three simple little books we have, oh my God, the information is so clear and it gives you everything and more than what you need to live this pathway fully. Just simple principles. It was fun because listening, Jim was reading the part when we're doing our sound check, talking all about all the superstitions and metaphysical this and that, all the things we do and look to in this world, not even knowing we're giving our power away. But we're so desperately seeking and wanting beyond our physical comprehension. Because see, a part of us knows there is a God. Otherwise, we wouldn't do all these crazy things we do. But in that journey, we're going to test, discover, try out all kinds of different things, trying to find the answer. But that's the big joke, right? Because eventually, what do you always end up finding? The answer's within. Why do we keep looking out here then? Why do we keep looking out here? Why am I not willing just to go within? Well, you see, we do all of our praying and looking for the miracles in the world around us because if we go within, there's a part of us that knows that we also have to now confront all those things inside of us we don't want to confront that we're so afraid of. All those deep, dark fears when we've gone off to the left. We don't want to look at that. I want to stay over here on the right side. I want to be righteous and positive. I live a life of positivity. I make a joke of it. Because if we are so focused on the positive out of fear of the negative, we're really limiting and restricting ourselves and actually hurting ourselves. Not even knowing, doing that creates separation in our own consciousness because there are dark areas within all of us that need loving. But if we're too afraid of that and we think we have to be positive and always look to the good and the light of everything... We're in total denial and avoidance of all these dark areas where we are in pain and suffering, and that's what's in separation. But we won't go and love that. And yet, to be positive, we talk about being loving, being nice, being kind. Do good for others. But yet you won't even do the good for yourself, for that part that is suffering in the darkness inside of yourself. 
your own hurt feelings, your own belief systems, your own self-judgments where you've made yourself wrong, let alone others. So why do you deny that? Why don't you do good for yourself and those parts of you first and foremost? But you see, those are the areas we're always avoiding because it hurts too much. So we're going to go into the world and try to do all the good we can to try to balance that out because that part of us knows the law of the land, we're held accountable, we've got to do good to balance the bad. But in this world, it's such a game and we're always misled because we're always focused out. So we've got to go out here to do it. Unfortunately, doing it out here doesn't do it. But eventually we're going to realize that when we've done enough out here and we find ourselves in yet greater pain and misery and we come to the point where we're not even able to physically do, let alone emotionally or mentally do all these things, we're doing so much good, but then we go, why am I experiencing so much pain and negativity? Because we have denied and resisted, been unwilling to not only look at, but to love the dark side of ourselves. So at some point, in being held accountable, and being responsible, Jim and I just try to put a nice spin on that. We're going to be held accountable, okay? Lucifer is going to make sure of that. But if you're on a spiritual pathway of loving, accepting, forgiving, the flip side of that coin is taking responsibility. <laughs> but you see, that's how you pass. And Lucifer gives you your diploma. Is when you now have taken what out here is called accountability in the law of the land, the karmic law, and now take it in. I am going to be responsible for my thoughts, feelings, actions, and reactions. And taking responsibility for that is how I'm going to fulfill my lessons. And in doing so, it's going to assist me in really waking up to understand fully what is loving, accepting, and forgiving. That's the day you graduate. But the first big step towards graduation is realizing what I'm saying now and doing something with it. Not just talking it. Not just thinking you understand, but doing. Doing it. How many of you meditate two and a half hours a day? How many of you do the loving, accepting, forgiving? Regularly, daily, let alone once a week or once a month when we do class or a workshop or a retreat. It takes it daily, to be honest with you. But even if it's just 20 minutes a day, that's progress. But you do it 10% of the day, two and a half hours, you're going to see a lot of progress. You do that, there's no hope for the pain and the fear and the separation that you've been avoiding.
Thank God for that. Because when you really give God the opportunity, spending at least 10% of the day in meditation, in inner spiritual action, even just doing the LAF, is how you're going to open the doors of your consciousness through every level to allow the grace in now to heal, to bring back to wholeness and balance, but in truth, to dissolve, to clear, to release. These karmic lessons have an energy to them, and it is that energy that only the grace can truly shift, transform, release. The Holy Spirit is an energy. It is an energy current. It is an essence. It's a presence. And when we focus to it and open to it, we will have experience and know what that is. It'll come as a light, a sound, a feeling, a knowing that is distinct to itself. And when it enters our consciousness, as we allow, it will just clear all these other energies that we have fed and bought ourselves into and attached to. As we allow that grace to move in, that energy current of the Holy Spirit, we say, God, I give all this up to you, that we give all these other energies within us that we have created, into that current of loving, that grace will lift these things. That's how you get your prayers answered. Not by asking God to go do this and this and this for you, but by inviting God in and giving all that up to God that you want God to go do for you. But also listening, because guess what? There are some things that God's going to say I want you to do. I will be with you, doing through you, but you also need to do and to participate in this action with me to fulfill your responsibility. So we've got to also listen to know what that is. But also listen just to receive the grace. That's the greatest part. But once that grace has come in and we even feel and experience all these things being lifted, if we're still here in the physical body, there's still something yet to do. But that's the adventure. That's the seeking. Hide and seek, right? See, in this world... Everything we go and do is going to stir awake something inside of us that's been hiding in deep, dark places within us. It's going to call out all that which is hiding. As God calls the soul home to the spiritual realms, the soul is also calling out and calling home all that which is within us that has yet to be fulfilled and completed. So we've got to answer the call. Do you just let it go to voicemail? Or do you answer the call? 
Well, God's got texting, email, and video, audio stuff now anyway, so there's all ways, kind of ways to communicate. But right here on your inner screen is the best audiovisual system you have. There's so many different ways to talk about all this. Transformation of consciousness is what we're doing here, but not in a metaphysical way, in the truest action of loving and grace. And it is the simplest action, the easiest action, the fullest action. Everything else we may seek to do psychically, metaphysically, is just a partial experience of that. Why waste your time doing little by little? Why not open yourself to the fullness all at once? Because that's what you have the opportunity to do here. That's what this pathway is about, as any sound current teacher has ever taught, is to experience the fullness of God's grace and loving. So why waste your time with all the other when you've got the fullness? Because if you're listening, watching, you've got it. But you're going to discover that anyway at some point, just as I did. I did a lot of all the other for years, even after I got initiated. Because that was part of the learning. So I hope you hear what's being shared today. Because in truth, we all have freedom. But do we recognize that? Do we take advantage of that? Or do we keep living in our false belief systems thinking or believing we don't, that we're limited, we're restricted. You give yourself the freedom and you keep yourself imprisoned. That's the truth. And you'll know it by all the indicators in your life and by your own inner experience. See, I know the day I stepped into my freedom. I had the inner experiences. I literally have had the experience of leaving a prison. And I knew what it was when I left the prison, which was the physical, astral, causal, mental, and etheric realms, and stepped free of that and climbed that inner mountain to the top of the mountain where the light of the soul shines. That burning bush, as Moses talked about, is there inside of all of us. And it's right here at the top of the mountain, right here in the body. That burning bush is right here. We've got to awaken to that. We are doing the inner climb to get here, to release ourselves from the prison of everything below. Right here is the place of freedom. When you truly wake up and see the light of your own soul, you will be living a great freedom. But to get liberated, that burning bush here at the top of the mountain now has to leave the top of the mountain 
and transcend and to go into the sun. There's a lot of sky between the top of the mountain and the sun. That light of soul that is here has got to now go. Well, that's the action, the truest, greatest action of God's grace, that which we call the radiant form of the spiritual teacher, that blue, that purple or golden white light that may even appear as myself or Jim or another spiritual teacher. When you see that, that's because you've come to the top of the mountain. But now you've got to step out that great leap of faith and let that radiant form of God's grace now take you. That's the ultimate surrender where you fully surrender. You've done the inner work to climb to the top of the mountain, but from this point on is where you truly have to give up fully to God. Because to go from here into that sun, you cannot do it of yourself. That's where the radiant form truly carries the soul into what we call the true home of the soul or the kingdom of God, the soul realm, the realm of the spirit. That's a part that God truly does. And why it is important to have that light and sound anchored in your consciousness, to meet God here, to have that sacred name anchored in your consciousness through initiation, to chant, to sing that name. To let the sound lift you and carry you for that inner light that is in the sound. That's truly the hand of God, of God's grace, that does carry the soul through all the other realms back into that sun. And this is the part I don't know how much people really understand is the true magnificence and miracle of it all. Not the little things we see in the world around us, but the true action of grace that lifts us through all the inner realms. We in the physical can bring ourselves to the top of the mountain, but from this point on, to go beyond the physical realm to all these other realms we talk about that are bigger and more real than this physical universe? You close your eyes and you meditate and you just see that purple light right here and it's so subtle and quiet, you don't think much of it. But yet, that is the greatest action of this whole pathway. That's the greatest action in all of this creation do you value it that much? Do you give it that much importance? Because you need to. 
If you really want that relationship with God in the greatest way, if you really want to be liberated and fulfilled, that's the relationship you want to take the time to develop and truly surrender to. And that's where God will do it for you as you're willing to do it with God.